Hello and welcome to Pop Salsa, a geek-centered podcast where we sift through the recent happenings of movies and TV. I am your host, like always, Joel, accompanied by my good buddy, Ernesto. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. And we're seeing... The last few weeks we've been doing uh, this remote because Ernie got yeah. himself a new job, so that kind of uh, killed his, his availability. So <laughs> Ernie's know, being yeah. all selfish and shit, trying to make a living. <laughs> Uh, but we've been doing this remotely, but this is the first time we decided to turn on our cameras. So I'm seeing Ernie, yeah. this just big head in the middle of my screen, just Ernie. <laughs> and, like, like, and I yeah, see you. In the yeah, shadows. In the cave. <laughs> yeah. In the shadows. <laughs> so I no. can just imagine someone walking in you and it's just like my face in a dark room. <laughs> you know, it's like, this isn't suspicious at all. Right? Yeah, this, the, the, my, um, my arm right here, you, uh, you can see it. Kind of giving me like ring vibes, like the girl from the ring oh just coming God. up behind me. <laughs> oh my, yeah, like your left side is just dark. Yeah, so like, oh, freak side. me out if you suddenly see a face, like, <laughs> come out of the shadows. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, so there has been quite a few happenings over at the Marvel side of the street. We're going to talk about that. Um, but I want to say like pretty big news just because this, this person has been around for decades upon decades like i'm sure both our, our parents have seen films uh where, where he starred and directed yeah and of course yeah. I'm, I'm talking about clint eastwood would you would you clint say the, the the casual racist <laughs> <Clint> eastwood. <laughs> yeah, i think if, if any of the, you know the casual racist spurs yeah <laughs> it's, clint eastwood. it's clint eastwood yeah so they're, they're talking about uh well the rumor is that this might be his last film that he's thinking about hanging up the, the directing chair and uh, we we're. Mm. I was reading the article, and it. I had no idea that he had directed more than forty films. Yeah, he's really. Is that is that more than Tarantino? Yeah, Tarantino only has ten. Like that's oh, his. Ten. Th- that's his oh. thing, right? Right. So, Jeez. And that's, go, yeah, that's, that's what I'm fucking go saying. Go Eastwood. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably when what, during the the Western ages where they're cranking that out every weekend, kind yeah. of thing. I'm not you know? sure. The, I'm not sure if he actually directed any of the western, or if, no. I'm sure like he had some some say in it and stuff like that because you know it's Clint Eastwood and all. But it, it, yeah. it, it it's interesting to see a because we don't hear about like people retiring. You know, they just kind of like fade away. Like we've mm-hmm. never we've never heard about the greats like Scorsese. I don't think he's ever going to retire. For yeah. Coppola, did he? Is he dead? I don't, no, he's not dead, right? Because no. he's talking about no, Metropolis. He's working in Metropolis, yeah, well, working which, which Metropolis. surprises me because, like, in, in uni, mm-hmm. you're learning about him as though he's he's dead, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As the fuck, who, who directed um, Space Odyssey? Uh, Stanley Kubrick, as, uh, as if he's Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick, right? Yeah, yeah, as like, yeah, Stanley Kubrick's dead, I yeah. think. I yeah, don't he's, know. He's been <laughs> dead a long, yeah, long okay, time yeah, ago. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so they put him in the same categories. So it's like, oh, Scorsese's dead. And imagine my surprise where I, you know, read the news and Scorsese's directing something. And I was like, what? What? That's yeah. how informed I am. Yeah, but like, it, it, do you have a favorite Clint Eastwood film, whether it be directing or, or starring in as an actor? I do, actually. I do. Uh, Gran Torino. Really? That one? Well, 
yeah, Gran Torino, probably one of the most racist <laughs> ones that I've ever seen. Well, it's racist because it's, I don't know if it's him projecting mm-hmm. or anything, but it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a fairly in your face kind of disarming movie. And I, I like that. Like, yeah. You don't have to play safe. It's mm-hmm. like these two, it's these two, you know, um, you know, it's Tarantino, uh, Tarantino, excuse me. It's, uh, oh God, why am I blanking on his name? It's Clint, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> it's Clint Eastwood. And, you know, he's talking to these, like his neighbors who are Asian and he's just like slinging freaking racism at him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like cause one dragon lady. <laughs> yeah. And that's like the thing about uh, Clint Eastwood, his films is that they're real. He doesn't try yeah. to sugarcoat sugarcoat anything, you know. He he yeah. lays it out, and the authenticity is something that I've always like enjoyed about his films. Like I've never really seen all like his whole catalog. Like I told you, I was shocked to find out that he had forty films as a director. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But you t- you take a look at American uh, American Sniper, a film that obviously has a lot of controversy just because the the guy who wrote the book. Uh, was a controversial figure within his own right. But you, you look at that mm. film and it shows you aspects of a a person who is dealing with severe trauma from what he what what he had experienced in, in you know in battle zones and stuff like that. And that's something that we don't necessarily yeah. see anymore in films. Yeah. Everything is you know the villain has to be has to have a, a purpose of being a villain. You know like oh he he can't just be a bad guy anymore. He has this tragic backstory and shit like no, he's a fucking mm. bad guy. Give me the fucking bad guy. That's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like even like even with that is the bad guys like just within himself, mm. right? It's cuz when you start painting people with good and bad, it feels like it does become that kind of like why is he bad? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it becomes the psychological treatment where you have to evaluate, you have to make sense to it. You know, you have to bring, make it into a certain cue or anything like that. But yeah, American Sniper, it's just that he's suffer. He's in. You could say that he's in this circumstance. Yeah. Right, and then he's reacting to things, and like he's not. He wasn't always like this kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's exactly. I like that. It's all grounded. Yeah, and we were talking yeah. about even. Uh, movies from like the 70s where he was an actor you had mentioned dirty harry and dirty harry is a film that <laughs> doesn't necessarily age well yeah but you look at the films in of that era you know like death wish being one of the the, the, the better examples of this this dude getting revenge <laughs> for the sake of getting revenge you know where there's yeah. no 30 minute side uh side um you know side shots of why the people that raped and killed his family raped and killed his family <laughs> you know they're just right. he's just right. there to kill some motherfuckers and that's what i loved about um clean eastwood as a storyteller as a film director is that he didn't mince the bullshit yeah yeah exactly yeah so i'm it's kind of like a the closing of an age just like how many of these uh, these old school directors are there left you know, like you want to you you want to group in like Scorsese for Coppola and stuff like that, but they have their own specific ty- uh, type of storytelling. You know, but you look mm-hmm. at a clean clean Eastwood film, like you look at Sansa Letters of e- from Iwo Jima. That film is, you know, like I, we can't really say oh it captures perfectly the horrors of of what it was to fighting in the Pacific during World War Two. 
Right. But I'm pretty sure it gets you pretty goddamn close. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, yeah, and that, and it's it does what you say with in terms of showing the other side. Yeah. Right, and it it doesn't. But the thing is, it doesn't contain it within the same movie, right? Because mm-hmm. he, I feel like Eastwood knows that it's far more complicated than that, and you can't really say, oh, this dude is bad because you know he had a bad childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, let's show you. Right, because like before this, we had what flags of our fathers, which showed the American side of the Battle of Iwo Jima. I believe, yeah. right, the Battle of Iwo Jima. So, and then you have uh, the other one. Was it letters? Letters, yeah. To Iwo Jima, right? From Iwo Jima, mm-hmm. right? Like you have letters, and it like it shows the other side. So you know, it it it, it takes that it, it takes that where we in the usual war movies you want to demify the other side mm-hmm. right you want to say like they're inhuman like the things they've done and all that stuff and for most of the world war ii films we do see that you know yeah. Jap- japanese soldiers kamikazing into lines of soldiers of mm-hmm. american troops right we see like the atrocities like germany does and stuff like that but uh, we see in this film we see both sides that some of them were kind of just they they're just there and they don't want to kill themselves right like, but they're going to be forced to anyway like you see the conditions that the japanese soldiers are in and then you see the conditions as well where the american soldiers are in right they don't want, they're going to try to take this hill and they know all the guns are pointing at them and like it takes balls <laughs> to go up a hill that you know is very zero end with mortars oh and you know, machine gun fire and you, like, you know that's going to happen and, oh, Jesus, trenches mines like you mine. know that's there but you're going to have to take it anyway yeah this is the horrific shit like we go back to to world war ii where clearly there is a line you know evil and good what the the japanese mm-hmm. and the, the japanese uh, military and the german people the german the, the the nazi high command let's put it that way what they were doing yeah. is just evil beyond evil you know there's there's no real way to be able to wrap your mind around how evil uh the atrocities those people were committing but for the most part they were just, you know, the, the typical everyday soldier that was being led to, to slaughter is just like somebody like you or me. You know, anybody listen to the, to this uh, to this podcast was they were in a, a circumstances where they either got conscripted. The, the, the patriotism was was very big back in those yeah, days. Patriotism. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they were just like, hey, all right. You see that ridge? Go and <laughs> don't surrender die on that ridge that's basically what they're being told (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and it's like it's it's jarring because how do you how do you tell like a japanese pilot like kamikaze into that aircraft carrier and pump them full of meth that's how you do it yeah you know yeah right like that's (laughs) the and then like they have photos of their family and it's just yeah it's it's uh i do like how clint eastwood did that those two films Mm -hmm. where they he showed both sides and he didn't mince words either no right he didn't want to he wanted to say the narrative and that's what he did yeah that those scenes in uh uh, letters from iwo jima when they know the they've lost their position the japanese army and then they all just start suiciding each other like just yeah. nonstop, and then it ends with um, a, a battalion of American soldiers surrounding one. I think they even call them like a feisty, like a little feisty Japanese soldier, right? Because he's like he's not <laughs> he's not willing to. Uh, well, the guy they follow through the whole film. It right. ends with him right. being being uh, c- circled as they're trying to calm him down and convince him to surrender. But he's like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna just take out as many as y'all as I can." <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. It is. It, it's an insane film. If you guys haven't watched it, I think Clean Eastwood did a fantastic job doing that. So, yeah, uh, his later movies, eh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. There was there was a period of time where um, Clint Eastwood uh, became, I don't want to say a joke, mm. but it just because like, I don't know if you remember back in the Obama days. Mm-hmm. He was in the Obama it, days. He was in the he was in a conference, uh, like a Republican conference, and he was he had like an empty chair, and he was supposedly him. Mm-hmm. He was sat down Obama and talking to him, was like what the fuck are you doing? It's like, I think old Gramps has lost his mind, and ever since then he's kind of had like this this um this this aura that he's like the crazy old grandpa in town, <laughs> that type of shit. <laughs> yeah, he's like ninety. He's like yeah. pushing ninety or he's, something like that. He's so. ninety two, I think. Oh my gosh! Good yeah. on him. Exactly, man. He's he's lived the life that I'm pretty sure a lot of us would have wanted to live. You know? Yeah. Like, how did he? Like, I'm pretty sure his half of his life is just whiskey and cigarettes and you know stuff like that. He's, totally. He's right. Totally he's just, still kicking and beef jerky, maybe. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. This is back when men were men. You know what I'm starting to say? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it's gonna be uh, sad to see him. I mean, like you said, it's it's uh, we've gotten to the point where a lot of the icons that our fathers, you know, mm-hmm. have lived with are either retiring or just like kicking the bucket. Yeah, you know. they're dead. It's it's a uh, it's it's clearly a generational shift. You know, like the types of movies that Clint Eastwood did does are nothing compared to you know the big blockbusters of today. We've had. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously Marvel, DC, Lucasfilms, like these types of films that just blow up every every time they they're released to the point where it's like, oh, this film didn't make a five hundred billion five hundred million dollars on its opening day, it failed. You know that type of shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a flop. It's a flop. But it made like five hundred million. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there has been a lot of. Was it was it like eleven thousand people were fired for Marvel or some shit like that, right? Mm. Like Marvel Productions yeah, Entertainment. It was right. an insane amount of a number of people that were fired, and it wasn't just like the 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 lower level employees. It was some of the higher ups. Obviously, we we know that yeah. um, fucking what's her name, Alonzo. What's her? Yeah. We talked about Victoria it. Last Alonzo, week. Victoria Alonzo. Yeah, yeah, she the Victoria one of the Alonzo. the main the head of the VFX when Marvel got axed, and and now we know that. Um, Couple more people got fired. Um, Ike Perlmutter, per- like Perlter, Pearl- <laughs> like I know who you're talking per- about. Mutter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Marvel chairman, he helped uh, save Marvel essentially. You know, I was reading the article and they were detailing his rise to to fame over at Marvel and, and back in the '90s when Marvel was struggling, basically going out of business. He helped save Marvel. You know. And obviously he was rewarded for that and all that stuff. But now, since he's been axed, it gives Kevin Feige a greater control of everything that's going on with Marvel. And this is obviously a clear response to Phase 4 being not so well received, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, I, I feel like the whole restructuring is, and especially with Bob uh, Chapik mm-hmm. leaving. Like Bob Iger came out of like retirement and it's like, let me take over yeah. and stuff like that, like outs them. See, but at that point, is it that Bob Chappick is leaving or that Bob Chappick get fired? That oh, type of situation. And Ch- Bob Chappick went missing. <laughs> you know, we don't, they all go hand in hand with yeah. the, when it comes to the House of Mouse. Uh, but yeah, I do feel like it's, 
if anything it's it's a course correction and mm-hmm. like i don't want to say it too harshly because i feel like a lot of these companies live in a bubble yeah where it's uh they live on their own and they set their own pace you know mm-hmm. they set their own precedent like this is how we're going to work now let's change it up and stuff like that but it's hard to not see the reception the very divisive reception that happened with phase four and see these changes with the ogs like you said who saved marvel from the beginning the ones who built marvel since iron man mm. getting you know fired and unceremoniously it's not it's not like oh my time's done you know i appreciate it. like no they just got axed yeah <laughs> he just disappeared the next day you know right they the goofy were, squad came the, in the next day they were no no longer on the payroll <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they disappeared, <laughs> yeah. like, literally, <laughs> and figuratively, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> so, but this also, like, brings in into question, like, uh, so Victoria Alonso, like, obviously, we could, we should take whatever she says with a grain of salt, because, like, there has to be some, some saltiness there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, it was said that she had said that um, Marvel doesn't really let the directors direct, in mm-hmm. a sense, you know, it's it's more, it, 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 it the end product is is basically like Marvel's final say. That's that's what basically what they were saying, and it kind of lends yeah. credit to credence to what they were saying because like we've we've heard rumors about that ever since the beginning of the MCU, well, the beginning of the DC, the Disney takeover of the MCU. You know, <laughs> like yeah. Edgar Wright being probably one of the more famous ones where he had his specific vision of what he wanted Ant Man to do, but it didn't fit the overall specific vision of Marvel. So they yeah, they yeah. came to a mutual agreement to part ways, you know, saying it nicely, not saying that he got fired or anything like that. Because, yeah, but I mean, is is this like a course correction in the sense that they're gonna maybe start giving a little bit more leeway to the the, the directors and stuff like that? Because like they're hiring them for a reason, and right. I get that there's an overall story that they want the each specific movie to follow and to tell. But at a certain point, you know, you look at Marvel's catalog and aside from a handful of them, they're all basically just like cookie cutter from one to another. You know, you look at Thor one, you look at Iron Man one and and granted, it's easy to say because those were all origins, but everything from like Thor two to Iron Man two to Iron Man three, they're basically the same fucking movie to some extent, you know. Captain America, well, yeah. Captain America too. No, not really, but yeah, actually, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> that's the game changer. <laughs> uh, Captain yeah, Marvel, man. same fucking movie, Captain, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of these are they do just save the cat, yeah, right? Because it, it's something where it has to be brought. It's it's a little insulting, yeah, I get it, uh, but I do feel like the context matter does vary from each. Hopefully, when it comes to that, like you know, Captain Marvel, you said, and then you have like Ant Man. Mm-hmm. And like you, you see that you see that arc in terms of, but there the context is if fairly different. You know, the beat of the song is something that's been drilled in. You know, one two three, one two three, one two three. But it's what the context is what changes, right? That's what makes the song like say painted black different from Hey Jude. Yeah. Even if they have like you know the same kind of beat rhythm, the context of it changes and stuff like that. With that said, I do hope that they do give less control to Marvel and more control to the creatives because, you know, with all the changes with, with especially with Bob Iger coming back and he's notoriously focused on giving power more to the creatives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether or not Bob Chappick was the one who's like, no, we're going to have more control on Marvel. Like, I'm not really informed on that, but I know Bob Iger does let like, creatives take more control and I believe maybe the beginning of Marvel, Bob Iger was the president and that's why each film 
even though they were beats the same, they looked and felt different. You know, <laughs> Captain America was a World War Two kind of like documentary. Then you have Thor, which is like mythological, and then you know Iron Man, which is more like science and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, t- definitely Bob Iger, uh, Disney as a company as a whole, has had its higher success under Bob Iger. Um, I just mm. think that. Like the one thing I I, th- I think about is uh, like I there was a period of time where I was a huge Laker fan, like, the LA Lakers, and mm-hmm. um, the Shaq Kobe like the, that era of the Lakers, right? And for the longest time, it was oh we need Phil Jackson as a head coach. Without Phil Jackson, they can't <laughs> win. And so is it going to be yeah. like that? Like without Bob Iger, then Disney can't you know pull out the magic out of the the, the hat anymore. That type of situation? It's I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, but I do know uh, human when if they're if they're not told fire's hot, <laughs> they'll keep doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it is, so if they say that hey, that virtual effects doesn't look too great, like hey, maybe uh, like let the people to direct give a little bit more control. Like mm-hmm. they don't have that someone to tell them that. Yeah. They'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? And for example, with Victoria Alonso. Uh, she was there since day one but lately the vfx and marvel has been a little iffy right like one of the biggest complaints with phase four is that the the, the it seems like the vfx is taking a step back like yeah. even in black widow which is supposed to be grounded it's taking a step back mm. you know and stuff like that so when, when it comes to that you don't have someone making her accountable you know, like, hey, let's let's clean this up and, and maybe there is but it doesn't feel like there's it's it's a big priority you know because this 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 multi-million billion dollar behemoth it seems like oh we can't go wrong and then you have phase four stuff like that <laughs> so it's it's time to clean house and put some new blood in it who can actually yeah. take the these properties and you know change it up and stuff like that try working on something for 10 years and see how fresh ideas flow through you after those 10 years yeah. and stuff like that so, so on uh, like right now the marvel has basically full control of their entire catalog you know excluding spidey for obvious reasons you know there's there's yeah. rumors about oh now they have a new fantastic four writer they have a, the blade finally got a director that type of shit but like can we see this as well as a you know the typical totalitarian regime taking taking out their competitors so that they can have the more control over the final product situation <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a uh... Because when you you brought up Edgar Wright, yeah, it's it was the first film, mm-hmm. right? It's Ant Man's first film, and I do feel that the control comes in when it's the first of something. Yeah, when it, like when it's End Game, you know, I think End Game they had a little bit, they gave it more to the the Rosos, right? Mm-hmm. Just because their their credits were there and they can do, they trusted them. But when it comes to first films, it's such a dicey gamble. I feel because, you know, you need the first impressions and you can't have someone who's loose and like, hey, let's do this and let's do that. You need the first impressions and the second or the third film, probably the third, second and third film, you can Mm -hmm. kind of let loose. And like like Thor reminds, that's what reminds me of Thor. Like Thor 1, it's it's very, you know, hero's journey. And the second one, it's like, whoa, this is like what's going on kind of thing. And in the third one, it's like let's just let Taika Waititi take over and like mm-hmm. do what he needs to do, and like it gets even it gets more creative as it goes as it goes off, and then you have Love and Thunder, which is completely off the reels. Mm-hmm. But is that because of Taika Waititi? So, like, because like I feel like the Thor Ragnarok, because mm-hmm. we've heard this be explained, you know, hundreds of times in the past, like that was supposed to be Thor's last film, like as as a solo. Mm-hmm. 
And then they basically went in with, hey, if we've got nothing to lose, then might as well just give us everything we we want for the film. You know, let us do whatever <laughs> we want. Yeah. But then it blew up. And obviously money equals more movies. And they gave them one more. Yeah. But is that, hey, is, is Thor Love and Thunder a clear sign of Marvel, you know, trying to rein in what Taika Waititi did for in in uh, in Thor Ragnarok, you know, to try to fit the overall arcing story mm-hmm. of of the Marvel films, you know, like you had talked about how whenever there is a the first for something, that's where we tend to see the most control, right? But maybe yeah. they're not seeing it as hey, this is Blade's first film. They're maybe seeing it like this is Marvel's twenty fifth film. This is Marvel's twenty mm-hmm. sixth film, you know. Not necessarily seeing that. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is this particular character's first first film. So let's give him, let's let's micromanage this to 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 this extent. You know, let's it's more like, hey, this is going to be our thirtieth film, and we got to make sure it it fits narr- narratively with the beats that we want for future projects. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Personally, I don't think so. There, there probably is instances where it's like, yeah, Marvel was was in complete control. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Phase Four, I I feel like that was their time where they let the directors do what they really wanted to do, just because a lot of it didn't connect to anything. Mm-hmm. Like like you look at say, uh, uh, not Wakanda Forever, but the uh, oh God, I'm blanking on the name because you have. Doctor Strange, you, oh, uh, Eternals. Eternals. Like, it, Eternals, I, it's hard to kind of, other than the Blade, spoilers, other, other spoilers, but other than the Blade kind of cameo-ish, mm-hmm. it doesn't really connect to the broader Marvel universe, like what's happening at the end of the line. And those, when Marvel does take control, it does have some effect in the end of the line kind of things. Yeah. Well, they, so, they also introduced com- um, mm-hmm. Thor's brother, uh, not Thor, uh, Thanos' brother, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They introduced Thanos, but like, what? Where does that fit with Kang? Well, yeah, where's that so, gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, where does that? Yeah, where does that fit with Kang? Where does uh, what is it? Oh, uh, yeah, for Eternals, and then um, yeah, I'm blanking on the names. Well, <laughs> 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 a lot of those kind of go nowhere, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And that's one of the biggest complaints when it comes to Phase Four is that you have this overall arcing narrative, right? You have inklings of what's happening, mm-hmm. gonna happen at the end of the line with the huge cinematic event. You know, five years down the line, but in phase four, it's you don't really see anything. So that makes me feel like either Marvel was like, here, this is what you'll do. And it's incoherent, which is fairly unsafe when it comes to like those kind of productions. Or they just let them go loose and say, we'll trust you. And mm-hmm. you can, you know, we're too big to fail at this point. And lo and behold, they didn't fail technically because they still made a lot of money, but it did split the fans mm-hmm. right you know and it did split like this this good like where's it going kind of thing like what what's happening kind of thing so when marvel does take control it's stifling but also from my experience when it comes to um like uh moon knight mm-hmm. like from what I've, I've you know i've seen other directors and stuff like that they give you chances like they give you a lot of chances to work with you like they don't just shut you down like yeah hey, this is how we're gonna do it. like they, they try their damnedest to work around you and if it doesn't fit then you can you just go right they give you that option it's not like it's a big brother kind of thing that we picture when it comes to someone who's taking over totally there is um i mean there is that little nugget to 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 consider that now that it looks like dc has get got some semblance of getting their shit together <laughs> 
that maybe yeah. uh, Marvel finally has a little bit of fear in them. You know, the executives of Fox yeah. was like, hey, maybe they did something right by hiring um, James Gunn, not only to direct, but to be like CEO, co-CEO of the overarching vision of what uh, DC wants to, to become. So maybe they're like, hey, we got to do some course correction because phase four did not go the way we wanted to. Yeah. yeah even Ant-Man. Like mm-hmm. Ant-Man wasn't, I don't think it was a flop, but it's it, like the the news that was in it wasn't because of the like the whole this is what's gonna happen to MCU it's like this is the sharpest drop you know financial <laughs> yeah. drop and stuff like that. that's what hit the news but I don't think that's a really a good look especially when it's the first film Phase Five Phase Five so yeah, yeah do we have I any other other Marvel films Gun. coming out later this year or is it all uh, DC I think it's DC I feel like there's a Marvel film coming out is it new is it I don't remember top of my head. Is it not? It's not New World Order, right? No, I, I've seen stuff about that, but I haven't really. I think there is. There has to be. Secret Invasion? Yeah. No. Yeah, I, yeah, that that's coming up, but that's a TV show, right? Is it a TV show? Yeah, I think it's a, a Disney Plus only thing. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's there's films coming out from Marvel. As of right now, we know that they're working mm-hmm. on Thunderbolts. They're working on New World Order. They're working on. Mm-hmm. What else are they fucking working on? Uh, Blade. Now that they finally have mm-hmm. a director, um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Are there going to be any Marvel films for the rest of the year? Because I know, like on the DC side, there's Flash mm-hmm. coming up in in. Um, and we have Blue Beetle. That's going to be this year as well. Uh, yeah, I think I saw. <laughs> it's funny that I saw the Instagram post that they're going to release something uh, tomorrow. Yeah, that's so. I'm assuming that's. That's still going on or something. Oh, Mar- and uh, Guardians. Guardians. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Guardians yeah, is going to yeah, be yeah. the... Guardians. Guardians. What the fuck is this? I think Guardians and then the Marvels is going to be also the thing. Blue Beetle. Blue yeah. Beetle says 2023. Yeah, that's but that's not Marvel. Why the hell is it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you have, I think, uh, Blue Beetle. Um, I think maybe the Flash as well. Flash. Maybe Aquaman. Flash as well, yeah. Aquaman, yeah, I believe. And then uh, you have the Marvels and then Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Volume 3. The yeah. Marvels, yeah, the Marvels yeah, is that, coming Yeah, that's out. in May. November. Um, yeah, Marvel. Oh, the Marvels is November, and mm-hmm. then you have Guardians in May. In May. Yeah. 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 That's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun year yeah. for films. Hopefully... Uh, I don't know how like cor- how much we're gonna be able to to see like that course correction be reflected on on screen, but mm-hmm. it's gonna be films, you know. Hey, it's 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 right up our alley. Yeah, it's definitely something where it's uh, they 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 should know it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, because <laughs> it's the like Guardians. They brought in this film where you don't really know the characters, and James Gunn made gold out of it. So now he's in charge of this whole house. Right, this whole all these properties, and he can do whatever he wants, and it's something where it's they have to see that oh we're in trouble kind of thing, and which is good because they need the competition because when if there's no competition, it becomes stagnant, and we've seen that with Phase Four, yeah, where it's it's something where it's just let's just crank out these films like they're getting soloed in terms of um, Star Wars. <laughs> a Star Wars solo where you think, oh, just because it's a Star Wars property, it's going to make money. It's like, nah, no, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there, there is, um, like you said, there, there's, there was some course correction over at DC. So hopefully this helps spur on some course correction at Marvel. 
Um, we yeah. we've been getting a lot of reports about what's going on in the Batman two part two the Batman part two yeah mm. right volume two no yeah Batman uh, part two. volume <laughs> two <laughs> the Batman part two uh, uh, apparently yeah. you know the big rumor is that Clayface is going to be the big main the villain I see that's the thing like I don't want to call it a villain anymore just because like they they're ultimately don't turn end up being villains. You know, there something yeah. happens to Sean's like, oh, you know, he's a bad guy, but he's to- mentally and physically tortured in, in this specific way. It's society's problem, yeah. you know. It's, so, yeah, uh, it's more complicated than yeah, he's bad just yeah. to be bad because uh, it's like I see the benefit of that. You know, you kind of just want a bad guy just to be a bad guy, uh, but also uh, I, it stops me thinking about it, which mm-hmm. sucks. You know, what I mean, it's like oh, he's a bad guy. All right. What else is there to focus on? You know, I mean, there's nothing else to... Like, when it comes to Hans Gruber, he's just a bad guy. And it's like, you're rooting for McLean. But McLean is very broken and different. You know, yeah. he's trying to get his marriage up. And he's trying, you know, he's trying to stop smoking, I think. <laughs> or something like that. And, but, yeah, you have you don't have a narrative with Hans Gruber's past. And, like, how he was abused as a child or something like that. Just because it's, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, with Clayface, that... That also lends credence to one of the other rumors that's been swirling around is that Matt Reeves wants to focus more on the emotional aspect of of the characters, Um, which, again, it's you can't just be a villain anymore. You can't just be a good guy anymore. You got to explain why you're in in this specific shoes. But with Clayface, him being one of the more tragic um, backstories with uh, with the Batman villains, you know, I feel like he's somebody who just by the circumstance of what he was doing in that specific day, he became the Clayface, and like he has a daughter. He lost his daughter. And there was that episode of mm-hmm. the, the New Adventures of Batman and Robin where he, he recreates his daughter out of clay, and it's it, it's like wackiness. Is that you. the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's that's an episode, that's yeah. tragic as hell. <laughs> I thought he was just a failed actor. No, no, no. <laughs> there's there's a lot more to that character, and... and like yeah the field actor is is a big aspect of that but um right there's a lot where you could like tug at the heartstrings of the normal everyday person including clayface as, as a major role and i'm yeah, excited just just to have another another batman villain you know we haven't seen clayface in any batman films you know have we? Yeah. No, we haven't, right? No, like live action? Yeah, yeah, yeah but definitely no. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um how do you feel they're going to treat it? Because from my issue, and it comes, it kind of bleeds into Joker 2, mm-hmm. where they're dangerously dancing the line from kind of an artsy, narrative-driven kind of film to a comic book film. Because when it comes to the Joker 2, you have Harley Quinn. And from the set photos we've seen, it, it, it's essentially the Harley Quinn outfit. right? Yeah. And then you know that comes with a whole train of different you know comic book inspirations and different narrative driven moments and stuff like that and it comes with nolan as well like nolan took bane and you know he took the kind of fantastical elements out of batman and made it more grounded to all of them like, yeah. you don't have mr free a dude with a freeze gun showing up or you don't have like a chick who can control plants right it's all very grounded very um real i suppose yeah right? so when you come to the batman and you have clayface who in case you all don't know he's a giant mud monster right? <laughs> he's a, you can you can change his his, his um think of, appearance think of uh yeah fuck what's the, what's the spider-man villain sandman sand uh, sandman yeah, yeah. So i think sandman yeah. just but cooler like, yeah cooler yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but cooler because he can change into people and stuff like i don't know if sandman can do that 
Um, but you know, it's, well, from what I saw, Sandman, he's just a giant sand tornado. Yeah, sand but tornado. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's a giant mud monster that can change faces, and that's fantastical as it gets. But mm-hmm. when you look at the first Batman, it's uh, it's fairly grounded, right? You have you have mil- not military, but you have mobsters mm-hmm. fighting each other. You have crime and corruption, like maybe police corruption to some extent. You know, you have burglaries. You know, the grounded stuff. <laughs> And then how is that going to work out with a big mud monster? How do you think it's going to play out with that? Yeah, there are definitely concerns uh, about, you know, crossing that line between having it be super realistic and grounded to just campy ridiculousness. And um, Clayface, like you said, it is this giant, you know, mud monster. So I would I would say like you would have to limit him as that. You can't like mm. he can't be running around as Clayfish for forty minutes of the film because it's gonna like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, <laughs> like like the <laughs> like the penguin that we know in the penguin in from the comic books to animation and stuff like that. It's a, literally like a, a short guy in a a, a a top hat with a tuxedo and makes him look like a penguin and he walks with a hobble. But yeah, with, with avian themed weaponry. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you want to go like even crazier with that, you make them all deformed and shit like um, Tim Burton did in, in Batman Returns. Uh, but he, but right. Matt Reeves just went, hey, it's just a mobster. And yeah, his name, he mobster. just called him the Penguin. You know, there's no avian char- characteristics about him or one way or the other. So. <laughs> I kind of yeah. feel like maybe that's that's the same way you go, where it's his clay face, but you don't really get to see him as the big mud monster, maybe like in the final battle or some shit. I don't know. Something happens. Batman throws, yeah. throws an ice bomb at him and then it explodes, but then he comes <laughs> back. As, <laughs> it comes back as clay like face. My face. Exactly. That like, type of situation. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's going to be weird. Because uh, yeah, they could do that at the end, and then but the Batman three, and you know there's gonna be a Batman three. Of course, it's like how do you like how do you how do you play that out? You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like because the last like you know I could just imagine Batman's face like the last villain I killed uh, I killed I fought I was like a, a serial killer, and you know a mobster, and now I'm fighting giant mud monsters <laughs> and stuff. Like, you know it escalates, and uh, I, I, I they could do that. I could very well see them do. Um, a serial killer again who mm-hmm. covers his face in mud. Yeah, that you type know, of shit too. <laughs> something like that. And that's my biggest complaint when it comes to the Nolan films. Like, it's Batman, mm-hmm. right? But to me personally, another part of Batman is that weird fantastical moments, right? It yeah. really underlines that this human is fighting basically a gods, not just Superman and Wonder Woman, but like, who? How, what would you do if you fought a lady who can control plants? Like, not even, like, literally, like, vines pop out of the ground and wrap you up. And, like, how do you react to that? Or, yeah. you know, a giant crocodile or a dude who can shoot lasers, like, ice. Yeah. Ice lasers. Like, ice how laser. do you... That really under... Yeah, that really underlines that him being human, you know, fighting these freaking crazies and stuff like that. So, when it comes to this and a mud monster, I don't know if it's gonna... I don't know, vibe well? Yeah, that's the Maybe. thing where, where you... You de- decide to you know show the more grounded and realistic aspects of of a particular character. You're kind of kneecapping yourself from the start, just because like this character, his more f- like I don't say this is more famous uh, of the rogues galleries are the you know let me shoot you with my ice la- ice laser or let me control you with the 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 
with um <laughs> with vines and shit like that you know the pheromones the pheromones and that type yeah. of shit so like once <laughs> once you decide yeah. that like with nolan what he did was like like you said he grounded everything you know top to bottom even the villains and to the joker was like campy to some extent but it was more because he was insane rather than just being like the joker of, of the joker that we all know and love you know bane is just a mercenary uh, yeah, does, yeah they, they don't even talk about the Lazarus Pit. No, like even the even the League of Shadows, they're just kind of this a secret organization that fights in the Himalayas mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's not <laughs> even like this where they they're like they're an ancient organization, but like how ancient? Oh, yeah, we have this pit where we you know take a bath and we live forever. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they don't talk about those aspects. They just say they're just the, an assassin group. Yeah, and, and then like, like that. One yeah. of the things that. Um, is you know cause for concern is that the batman part two is scheduled for release in 2025 but so is mm-hmm. batman brave and the bold it's either like the same <laughs> year or like a year later you know like how is having right. two starkly different uh batmans going to like coexisting within the same year of release going to to affect the fan base you know like because there's some of us who are going to be able to, to distinguish just because we're not we're well versed with the different types of Batman in, in the comics, in the films, in, in animation, and all that stuff. But the, for the layman, um, the layman fan, you know, the newbie that just walks up, say, "Hey, look, Batman! Let's go see it." You know that type <laughs> that type of shit. It, yeah. I think it, it is going to be a, a stark contrast, just because like Batman: Brave and the Bold, in its nature, that storyline is you know Batman embracing the more campy side of of, of him. So having that, yeah, yeah. having that be represented in, uh, in live action on on the big screen, and then four months later, you know, dark, brooding, miserable, fucking Batman is is out there, and you're like, hey, what happened to all the the laughs and giggles? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's. I hope it's a year apart, but even then, it is it is kind of a weird. And then they're swearing that, yeah, it happens in a different universe. Like, does it, though? <laughs> Can you really <laughs> separate that where it comes to a different universe and stuff? Yeah, I don't Batman know how going to work out. Movie. Let's see when, when does this uh, release chronologically is upcoming Super Bowl. Okay. Release year. I guess there isn't release year yet. Yeah, they shouldn't. Yeah, they're still working on the slate and stuff like that. So... Um, yeah. yeah, the only one we do have confirmation is um, Batman uh, Superman Legacy, right? That's the only one we have. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's more that he's on. actually working on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, we even I think we even have a release date for it, June twenty twenty five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's twenty two years from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be weird having two Batmans. You know, you have the Brave and the Bold kind of James Gunn's Batman, and then you have Matt Reeves Batman. Where it's like fairly grounded and dark and stuff like that, so that's I, yeah, I don't know how that's gonna work out. Or potentially gonna have two Jokers as well. Right, we're gonna have like <laughs> why is this right? No, yeah, that's right because we do have Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And some some things I've read that though they're gonna be together. Like really, Joaquin Phoenix doesn't have that. Uh, like he's the older joker you know mm. what i mean he's gonna be like 60 or something like that when he <laughs> if he fights a uh, freaking chris patton's young you know young hotness in terms of like 25 or something yeah and his Batman. late 30s mid to late 30s yeah mid to late 30s right right yeah. so i don't know how it's gonna work out but i'm kind of wondering like what's gonna be the the chronologically from batman one to the batman you know like because is it gonna be within like mm. 
let's say a year of of that time frame mm-hmm. to so it could be more like of of that year two batman that we saw situation you know mm-hmm. like one that's a little more raw one that's a little more untested one that's more willing to push the envelope a little bit more to 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 test his limits and stuff like that and i feel like yeah, with yeah. with clayface it, it will be a perfect uh opportunity to do so just because like we basically clayface pretty much is indestructible you know he gets blown up he regenerates he's you know mm-hmm. i feel like the only way for him to be able to to stop him is is freezing him just because he is i he is mud and mud you know, you have water to make mud. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, my thing is, I, I feel a five-year gap, maybe. Really, that like, much? When we do, see, yeah, that much because we see him and he's like two years in, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he even calls it the Gotham experiment. Like he's not even sure. Uh, but I do feel that from what he saw with the Riddler, you know, and being they, they need someone in the light and stuff like that. Not someone, not only someone who's in the darkness and things like that. I do feel that that was his debut kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, I, it's like the Batman wasn't really something that was everyone knew about. But with him literally saving people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. sa- being there in person, helping people and stuff really solidifies his existence within Gotham. So maybe we have a, a fast forward where he's a little bit more seasoned. Right. He, he kind of knows where he's going around and out of nowhere, mud monster attacks, <laughs> you know, something like out of the box. Yeah. Something that's like, what the heck? Like, I thought I had everything down. Now there's this gigantic amorphous blob that can turn to anybody who's indestructible and has a tragic past. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. like how do we? Uh, so I feel like that's a nice curveball if they do the fantastical route. Mm-hmm. So, but if they don't, then it's just gonna be you know it's a murderer, a mass murderer, or something, and he covers his, he covers his victims in mud. I don't know, or something like that, something <laughs> along those lines. It's, it's gonna be weird. Yeah, um, well, it's definitely gonna be interesting, interesting to say, yeah. to say the least. The, the next few years is gonna be a what's gonna happen with uh, the Marvel uh, course correcting, uh, DC course correcting, and then these two just. Uh, property, the DC property is just floating around, seemingly not having any, any connection to a, <laughs> to another. It's the weird. It reminds me of when Marvel, uh-huh. like when Marvel lost their rights with you know Fantastic Four and Spider Man and X Men. You have these kind of these very known Marvel properties mm-hmm. being made that had nothing to do with the greater MCU. You yeah. know, but in here it's like there's two Captain America films. You know, there's one by Fox and there's one by <laughs> Disney, and it's like, you know, the Fox one it has like you know boobs or something like that, and it's just so campy. And then you have freaking Winter Soldier for Disney, and it's just the contrast between each other is just yeah. Like, yeah it's I, I I'm pretty sure that they they connect in some way. Like if it's not, it's because well, who said it? Did Matt Reeves say, or I think James Gunn said they're gonna exist in the Elseworld properties, yeah, which is kind of like a different Earth, adjacent to the main continuity. So like they're gonna connect in some freaking way, just to have that distancing. I would love to see fucking in the Flash film as he's creating the paradox. You run, he's running, and then you see like a scene from the Joker, and just in the background, you see the scene from the Batman. Yeah, the that'd be that'd be funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was freaking hilarious. <laughs> it's like you, you see, like a cameo of Joaquin Phoenix. Like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> like he's 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 sane or something. Yeah. You know, and in this world, he's like he's sane and he has like you know Lady Gaga's the wife or something. Like that. <laughs> I was I was thinking yeah, more that would, of like um, 
like Flash is running, and then in in the background, it's a it's a it's that cut from the first Joker where he where he kills the 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 people and he leaves the little dude alive. They they come to uh-huh. and he's just stabbing them in the neck and he opens the the door for the little person because he was always nice to him. Yeah, <laughs> like that yeah. scene. That scene <laughs> in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And just Damn, and, Joel. And for the Batman, just him being the shit out of those people on the train platform. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a uh, man. Yeah, Batman. Batman is a whole other can of worms where I'm just like, it never gets old, does it? No, <laughs> it never. That's it the, never, that's the thing where it's like yeah. they can make a hundred Batman movies, and we're gonna go watch each and every single one of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening for to this week's show. I've been your host, like always, Joel, uh, by my good buddy Ernesto. For more, in, hey. for more info, check out our link tree. And if you like what you've heard, leave a thumbs up. We'd really appreciate it. It'll help grow the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>